One is the, the, the leader who's being drained and the other person is the, the person who's doing the draining. They're also human beings. Mm-hmm. They need mental health, obviously, because that they're draining other people. So I've counseled on both spectrums. I've counseled the pastors and ministers and leaders and people who give, give, give because they think that they're obligated to give. Mm. We're not obligated to give. We're obligated to stay in the will of God. <laughs> and that's it. That's, the, that's, that's it. We're obligated to stay in the perfect will of God. Yeah, that's good. We're not obligated to give. And yet we, we have been, we have been uh, taught that unless you are giving completely uh, everything you've got to the detriment of your own physical, emotional, mental and spiritual health, that only makes you a Christian and that's a lie. Welcome back to the Hack Podcast. Today we are blessed to have Dr. Vonnie Marshall back on the podcast to answer some of your questions about mental health. She has a master's in psychology and a doctorate in counseling. Dr. Marshall shares a lot of great insight in this episode that I know you will be able to apply to your life. Also, from everyone here at the Hacker Podcast, we just want to thank everyone for the support we've been receiving lately. If this has been helpful throughout your life, we'd love to hear from you. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel or just follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Now let's get to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Greg. Good to be back. Yeah, we just had you last week, and um, there's been such great feedback about having you on. And towards the end of that discussion that we had on on various topics, Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about your background in counseling and psychology. Yes. And we we went into it a little bit. We talked a little bit about mental health, and and you felt that this could be a topic that we could actually spend uh, focused time on. Yes. And so uh, we've had you back. Uh, You're grateful to give us more time, and uh, we're just going to be talking about mental health for this episode. So how would you define mental health, and how do we maintain it? You know, um, to the general public or to the ordinary man, when you use the word mental health or mental well-being uh, or anything you know, uh, connected to the word mental, usually people think that it is associated with anxiety, illness, depression, grief, mm-hmm. um, you know, a personality disorders and everything. And mental health is often used, the word, the term mental health is often used as a substitute for a condition, an illness. Oh. But the truth is mental health is more wellness or about wellness rather mm. than an illness. Yeah. So what does that mean? Um, When I talk about mental health, or to me, um, you know, rather than it being about what's the problem, it is really about what's going well for your life. Mm. You look at it that way. Mm -hmm. What is going well for your life? And if you can say, well, you know, my my marriage is going great, my relationship with my children are going going great, but there are other issues that are not so. It's not as great as this. Mm-hmm. And then from there, uh, wh- what is going well for your life? Then we're going to talk about why is it going well? For, what are you doing that that's going so well that you could apply to other areas of your life? Mm-hmm. So mental health is really, as I said, it's about wellness rather than illness. And, um, and, and as a result, um, you know, I've tried to explain the difference by take, uh, talking about, you know, um, talking about a, a continuum, a, a kind of a, a cycle you know, represented by feeling good, functioning well, while mental health conditions for mental illness are the opposite. Mm. So what what are you doing that makes you feel good today? Mm-hmm. What are the steps you're taking every day? I mean, what are, the, what are you doing regularly that keeps you motivated, keeps you healthy, keeps you joyful, as opposed to in this area, what have you stopped doing? Mm. What can you start doing? So if you go from that angle... Then, then you get people on a, uh, you get them motivated because they're already doing something right, rather than just talking about what are you doing wrong. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I like to ask people, what are you doing right? Yeah. You know, rather than what are you doing wrong. So that's my take. Mental health is getting a person to a place where they are experiencing a reasonable, nobody's perfect, nobody's life is perfect, but they're experiencing reasonable strength, reasonable uh, happiness and joy, a reasonable level of well-being mm-hmm. emotionally. Yeah. You know, they're not bursting out in anger. They're not slamming doors. They're not 
picking fights and road rage in the middle of a traffic jam, or they're not going into all that, but uh, that they are that they are making some really healthy choices. Going from their mental health also includes having boundaries in your life. You cannot have mental health without boundaries. If you allow people to treat you just any which way, you're not going to have mental health because mm. they're going to drain you. They're, yeah. they're going to come into your space and they're going to affect you negatively. So having boundaries is a huge part of mental health. And secondly, making healthy choices. If you're in a toxic relationship, get out. Mm. Yeah. Protect your mental health. Mm. If you're in a good relationship, stay in. Don't sabotage it. Yeah. Don't, don't bring toxic stuff and ruin something that's going well. Mm-hmm. And so you will end up not having good mental health, either one, you know what I mean? So, yeah, making right choices. Eat right. Yeah. Um, exercise if you can, you know, as much as you can. You don't have to do it like as though you're uh, competing in a, in, a, in a championship somewhere. But, <laughs> uh, you know, have a, a, a normal level of physical activity. Don't be sedentary. Just just sitting down and doing work, you just, you just, it's not going to be good for you. Get, mm. get out and go for a walk. You know, mental health is so practical can be done hands-on you know eating right having good company surrounding yourself with healthy people rather than people that are just continuously going to drain you and don't be surrounded by emotional i call this word emotional vampires (laughs) i don't believe in vampires because i'm not superstitious but what i mean by the term emotional vampire somebody will drain you Mm. they'll just drain you they'll take from you Mm. they don't give to you yeah they don't care for you they're just continually demanding from you. Yeah. Don't have them in your life. I think that point is quite key for leaders, definitely. Absolutely. Like pastors as well. Like the the ones that are constantly needing attention seem to find their way to pastors. Yes. To pastors, pastors' wives, ministers, leaders, uh, anyone that is that God is using them on the limelight. Emotional vampires tend to want to, you know, uh, um, after them to to drain them you know Mm -hmm. um and so uh and that's both spectrums one is the 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 leader who's being drained and the other person is the the person who's doing the draining they're also human beings Mm -hmm. they need mental health obviously because that they're draining other people so i've counseled on both spectrums i've counseled the pastors and ministers and leaders and people who give 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 because they think that they're obligated to give Mm. we're not obligated to give we're obligated to stay in the will of God, <laughs> and that's it. That's the, that's that's it. We're obligated to stay in the perfect will of God. Yeah, that's good. We're not obligated to give, and yet we we have been we have been uh, taught that unless you are giving completely uh, everything you've got to the detriment of your own physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health, then that only makes you a Christian, and that's a lie. Mm. That's a lie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus himself walked away from people and said, I'm going over there, you stay here. Hmm. That means I don't want anyone following me right now. I've got to get to a place where I am talking to God. I'm praying. I need strength. I need direction. I need, I'm talking about the man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need, we know that he's God, but the man Christ Jesus. I need all of that, and I cannot do it if, if I'm going to have so many people around me all the time. And so... Um, he took care of himself and self-care. So boundaries, um, making healthy choices and self-care. All of this promotes mental health. So if a client comes to me for counseling and they are like, well, you know, I've got this issue and that issue. Yes, we're going to talk about the issues, obviously, because that's important to them and that's important to them. It should be important to the counselor. Mm. But what is important is I will always tell them, look, let's talk about what you're doing right. What are the areas of your life that you're quite ha- happy with? Now, there's absolutely no area of their life they're happy with me. I'm miserable about everything. Then there's no choice but to talk about what happened, the trauma that has happened that brought them there, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, as I said, and I'll repeat that again, mental health is about wellness rather than illness, you know. So, um, and, and of course, there are so many benefits of staying well, you know. I think that's very key. I, I think we fall into that trap of... of only referencing mental health in the negative and it's a it's the same with physical health you know you don't tell you don't say someone is healthy if they're unhealthy right whereas we say oh that person has mental health as a that's a saying especially here in australia we we use that as like a colloquialism or a saying Mm -hmm. that person has mental health and we say that as they have a problem yes 
Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, that, that, there's such a stigma. If somebody comes and tells a person, oh, I'm, I'm going to a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, I'm going to a psychologist, immediately they're bombarded with questions of why, what's wrong with mm. you. But if somebody said, well, I'm going to a doctor to get my heart checked, they'll be like, that's wonderful. Everybody should get their heart checked, you know, at least a few times in their lifetime because we eat all kinds of stuff. And so, oh, I'm going to get my blood tested for whatever, you know, for cholesterol, for, for hypertension, for diabetes. Everybody would be proud of that decision. You know, oh my goodness, you, 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 you're taking care of yourself. But if somebody came and told you, well, I'm going, I'm going to a psychologist to get my mind, you know, to, to, to check my level of mental health. Mm. nobody looks at it as something to be proud of. Nobody encourages the p person and saying, that's wonderful, you're going to talk to your psychologist to see where you are emotionally and mentally and spiritually, where you are. Instead, they'll say, well, what's wrong with you? I mean, mm. You know, yeah. are, you, are you upset? Are you depressed? Are you angry? Are you grieving? Are you, you know, do you have, are you schizophrenic? Are you, are you losing your mind? No, I mean, if I, just because I go for a blood test doesn't mean I have cancer. Mm. It, it means I'm just checking to see whether I'm all right Overall, and if the doctor can pinpoint, your blood test is fantastic, your urine analysis is wonderful, but um, there's a couple of cholesterol issues that I'm kind of worried about. I think that you need to exercise and eat better and whatever, or take some cholesterol medication. That's a good thing. Everybody would be so bragging on this person mm. that, oh, my goodness, you're so into self-care. Yeah. But they don't analyze it that way when somebody says, I'm going to a counsellor. And that's mm. very, very sad. If the whole world today would go to a psychologist or a counsellor or a therapist, a good therapist, a, a, you know, not somebody that is just trying to drain you of all the money and just, you know, makes up all these labels just to take your money. But a good, safe, recommended, sometimes mm, word yeah. of mouth recommendation is the best, um, a, a recommended therapist. And uh, once a year, just to, or once every couple of years, just to check where you are at. I think the world will be a better place because we will find out then that, there are, I'm doing well in these areas, but there's one or two areas that my therapist has pointed out I have an issue I have to work on. I'll read a book, work on it, apply these particular uh, principles or precepts, you know, uh, join a gym, do something, you know, mm. to get better. I think that mental health is essential, it is important, and um, I think that it could prevent relationship breakups early on. It can prevent the rate of suicide that has been going on in our world is too high. Some of your young listeners, they know, mm. you know, your young listeners who are going to college, university schools, they know about friends who, who, are, who hide their mental issues, their emotional, they, they hide their uh, um, anxiety and depression and grief and sadness and anger and at the end suddenly they, they're not around they're, they're gone mm -hmm. they've they killed themselves yeah. you know suicide rates uh, is a direct result of the rate of depression and the rate of anxiety in our uh, in our world this is not just an Australian problem or an American problem this is all over the, across the board even Asia traditional uh, communities in Asia uh, that that you know very very family orientated even there there are young people contemplating suicide or have committed suicide yeah. or are cutting themselves or are hurting themselves mm -hmm. because we have prevented mental health from being normalized in society we have labeled it as something uh, weird and uh, special or unique and uh, only problem people need mental health. Now, all of us, top down, need mental health. I know uh, Christian leaders, pastors, pastors, wives, ministers, lay people, you know, departmental leaders, ordinary business people, housewives, young children, teenagers, we all need good mental health help and there are easy practical ways of achieving it you don't have to go on a pill you don't have to you know spend lots of money in expensive treatments and and and, and hospitalize yourself and this of course it's a serious mental health condition but just general normal mental health well-being happiness can be easily achieved on a daily basis if you make right choices that's all that's all there is to it there's no mystery cloak or mystical something about it that people don't want to talk about and that's dangerous the dangerous thing is not to talk about it with your young children and your teenager and your and your and your college age person you know not to yeah. talk about it instead encourage it yeah what can we what can we do to support you to be to being happier to to just 
you know, not be as angry, not be as anxious, you know, uh, not be worried about exam results. What can we as parents do for you? And immediately you take the pressure off the 19, 20, 18 year old that's trying their best to make it in this world, but is alone and, and feels inadequate and feels like a failure and they hide and hiding is toxic. Mm. And we, you know why young people hide and they hide their problems? Because the adults around them, and I'm not trying to trash the adults. I mean, I'm an adult. But the adults around them, they don't want to deal with, uh, oh, my son and daughter, they're perfectly normal. They're, they're going to go and they're going to get a degree and they're going to be successful. They don't have any mental health issues. No, we're not going to talk about it. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in sorry the, I didn't mean to. No, that's all right. In <laughs> the vast majority of these questions were from... Uh, young people or people you know under the age of 30 they're thinking about it they prioritize it they think it's important and one of the questions they asked was is mental is a mental health problem a spiritual problem is mental health a spiritual problem uh some of it is yes some of it is i'm a psychologist but i'm also a christian and i cannot ignore the fact that there are issues in our lives that are spirit rooted rooted in you know, um, spiritual problems. For example, the Bible actually talks about the spirit of insanity. Now, not all mental health issues are rooted in insanity. You know, somebody who's anxious because they've lost a job and they don't know whether they're going to, you know, they're going through anxiety because money issues or marriage issues and their, their marriage is bad uh, they're not communicating with their spouse they don't know the direction or they are anxious because of their children or their future or whatever that doesn't mean they're insane or they're crazy it just means they're stressed out so not all mental health issues are are spiritual but many are i have found that borderline personality which if i go into that is going to take an entire whole <laughs> podcast but um borderline personality which is a result of uh, sexual or, or mental abuse from a very young age. When a, when a child goes through either sexual, physical or mental abuse from a very young age, it's quite possible that they formulate a personality that is very different from who they really are. They begin to live in a fantasy world. They begin to uh, uh, live a risque life. They take risks. You know, they become risks such as they, they will dabble in alcoholism, gambling, you know, shopping addiction and uh, porn or whatever. So all of this is um, a result of the trauma that they've suffered before. Now this is, uh, and then they'll begin to live in this fantasy world, which is called disassociation. So disassociative disorders or borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder is as a result of sexual, physical, verbal, I'm talking about severe, yeah. severe abuse from a very young age has not been healed has not been counseled which is why again mental health is important counselors are valuable individuals that we need to reach out to but when that's not been taken care of and they grow up into teenagers and young adults uh, they develop uh, a whole other persona and they begin to enter into manipulative relationship that means they will begin to manipulate they are very manipulative people because they are so afraid of abandonment you see they've been abandoned they've not been protected from that abuse from a child and that is in a way it's abandonment mm -hmm. when you've not been protected by uh, from sexual abuse verbal abuse from mental abuse as a child either your parent didn't protect you one of the parents didn't protect you or the school system didn't somebody did not they were not there for you and you had to handle the whole abuse by yourself and i'm talking about continuous abuse uh, what happens is you go through something called abandonment and um, when you fear abandonment what you will do for the rest of your life unless a a, a good counselor or god uh, inter intervenes and and you are healed either miraculously healed you know by the power of god or you are helped by a counselor to get you to a place of healing. You know, either way. I don't even say either way. You need both. Mm. What happens is if that doesn't happen, if that intervention doesn't happen, then this person will continue to manipulate to get people in their lives. Why? Because they're afraid of that you will abandon them. Mm. So if they know that you're going to abandon them, they'll do anything to make you stay. They will do things for you. They will, they will manipulate you. To, 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 they will uh, be a victim or or give you the impression that they are victimized by other people. Why? Because they fear abandonment. Now, this is an actual disorder. It exists, and it's called disassociative disorder. 
in other words, borderline personality disorder. It's the same thing. Borderline personality disorder displays this. I know this is very technical. I'm not trying to bore uh, our viewers or listeners. I hope you're not bored. But um, uh, it, it's, it's a very real thing. And I really believe that that is not just a psychological disorder. As a Christian, I believe and I found in, in research that that is also spiritual. Mm. Because when that door of abuse is opened in that young child, the young child didn't open it. The young child was a victim. But there's been a door that's opened because of the sexual or emotional or spiritual or physical or verbal abuse. Then that door is open for the enemy to come in and begin to build strongholds in the mind of the individual. When these strongholds are built, what are the strongholds? The strongholds are fear. Mm. I've been hurt before, so I'm going to get hurt again. I've not been protected before, so I can't depend on anybody to protect me, including God. Um, so, uh, you know, people are just going to use me and abuse me again because I've, it's happened before. Uh, so therefore, I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not a good person. That's why whatever happened as a child happened to me. I'm not a good person. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to prevent this person, my husband, for example, who I'm just married or my children or my friend from abandoning me. How do I prevent them from abandoning me? I'm going to manipulate. So all of that is rooted in a, a demonic spirit. That demonic spirit has built strongholds of self-hate, low self-esteem, um, fear, anxiety, manipulation, lying in that person. Now mm. that person should not be criticized or thrown aside or... Um, but but helped. So how do you help a person with that is that that has a spiritual stronghold? You have to connect that person to God. Yeah. They have got to be connected to God because only God can take care of that. But at the same time, connect them to a counselor who specializes in disassociative disorders or per, um, uh, borderline or narcissistic personality disorders. Because the counselor then will be able to talk to this person and help them and bring them to the place. And God, at the same time, will bring them to the place of healing. The counselor will then psychologically let this person know, do you know why you're acting in this way? It's because what all has happened to you, the trauma mm. that has happened to you, has opened a door for yeah. you to behave this way. Yeah. But there is a secondary problem. There's also a spirit at work here, a demonic spirit, that has built strongholds. So it's a twofold thing. There's a psychological problem and there's a spiritual problem. And therefore, you need God absolutely number one you need god and but you you would also need a therapist or a counselor that will reveal to you what's going on and help you understand why you do what you do you know unbelievably in the last uh, you know i've been in practice for what 27 years now i've been a counselor but in the last 10 years there has been an influx of clients that i've had with borderline personality disorder Mm. No, I'm not saying exclusively just border, borderline, but there's been just a sudden burst of individuals that have sought counsel. I'm glad that they've sought counseling. I'm not glad that they have borderline personality. I'm glad that they're reaching out to somebody. Yeah. But because I have studied borderline personality and I'm, I, I believe I'm able to help them, but as a Christian, I'm also able to say, look, is this, you've got to shut that door and pull down those strongholds. Mm. Every high thing that, what does the scripture say? Pull down strongholds and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And it's a thought, yeah. It is a thought. Mm -hmm. It is a series of thoughts about yourself, about God. If you have a wrong perception of God, that's it. Mm. If, you, if you have a wrong perception that God is not loving, that God does not protect, that God is not there for you, then you're going, that, that sense of abandonment is going to be much worse. So to answer your question, sorry, it's a long, long-winded, I think in psychology there is no, um, there sometimes may not be short answers. <laughs> um, is that why they bill by the hour? Or <laughs> <half> hour? <laughs> that's exactly right. I think that that's exactly why they bill by the hour. <laughs> but, um, and that's why they at least ask for at least a minimum of five sessions. <laughs> I know I do. You know, I, I can't help somebody just in one session because you, you want to get to the root of it. Right. But seriously, um, um, not all mental health uh, or, or the lack of, not all uh, issues or situations yes. where there is a lack of mental health is rooted in spiritual strongholds. Not yeah. all. Okay. But 
there's a bunch that is. Then yeah. I, I've mentioned some of it. Now, fear, fear is definitely, uh, it's, it's, first of all, it starts in the flesh. Fear does not start with the devil. Fear starts in the flesh. You allow uh, worry and fear to become a stronghold and then the enemy enters in and, and begins to build and deepen the fear and then you fear everything and everyone. Mm. So fear, anxiety may not be, anxiety is rooted in fear. Fear is the root of right. anxiety. Not all anxiety is, root, is spiritual and some anxiety is. Yeah. Some anxiety is. I think that uh, generalized anxiety disorder is spiritual. I think that the reason why even medication, which I'm not a fan of anxiety medication as the the go-to. Like the cure-all. The yeah. cure-all or even the go-to. The go-to should be, first of all, God, and then the go-to should be a therapist or a counselor. Your medication is really not a cure. There is no cure uh, in a bottle for, med uh, for, for, for anxiety or depression. It is more of a Band-Aid. You can't put a Band-Aid on cancer. Mm. What would happen if you just put a Band-Aid on cancer? Cancer's yeah. still there. So you've got to go to a doctor and get it out. You know, cut it and it's painful and it's a bit gross, really, but you've got to get it out. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bloody, but you've got to get it out. And so, um, and, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, not all anxiety is rooted in, in demonic spirits, but there's a bunch. Generalized anxiety disorder, uh, I believe, is, is both psychological, it's a psychological problem is a spiritual problem. Yeah, so what, so I, what I'm hearing through this conversation so far is uh -huh. there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. And, and we try and like, um, we try and like put stuff in, in different boxes and say, well, this right here, this is just physical, mental, that sort of uh -huh. thing. This over here, that's purely spiritual, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But what I'm hearing from you is that often it's a bit of both. It's, it's often, it's, 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 it's actually quite a lot of both. You know, it's often uh, doors that has, have not been closed from a young age. Mm. Uh, doors of abuse, doors of trauma, doors of abandonment, doors of fear, doors of uh, whatever, you know, whatever that's happened. May not even have happened to the individual, could have happened to the family members of the individual. In an accident, a car accident, mm. you know, a, a vicious dog that has attacked a child. All of that are traumatic incidences that need to be addressed by the counsellor and healed by God. Mm. Counsellor cannot heal. And I know that when I say this, I might actually step on some counselor's toes. But a, a, a wise counselor knows that that counselor cannot heal. The counselor is a GPS. Now, a GPS would just tell you, hang a right, hang a left, go straight. Oops, you've missed a turn. Do a U-turn, come back. That's what a GPS does. Well, a counselor is like a GPS. It'll t give you directions on what to do. But you've got to do it. If you keep ignoring the voice of the GPS and you keep sticking on that road, then you might as well switch the GPS off. Because, but the GPS is there to guide you to come back to the right path. But the, G the, the GPS cannot... Uh, take you to that place it'll only guide you to that place but you've got to take yourself there god on the other hand is not is he well he's like a gps too he guides you he gives you the road map on how to get there but god can do one thing that the counselor cannot and god can heal god can actually break into those strongholds and get you healed however in both instances both god in, in when, when you're approaching god or approaching a counselor or both in my opinion both is very important, God first and then counseling. But whatever you're approaching, you must get yourself there. The driver of the car is the ultimate decision maker as to whether you are going to follow the voice of your GPS or follow the voice of God or your counselor to get yourself on the right path. Otherwise, you, well, you, you're going to remain lost. Unless you want the scenic route, that's fine. There are a lot of people who do. I like the scenic route when I travel to certain places. But some places, I just want to get on the freeway, you know, the interstate in the United States, you go to the interstate, and I just want to get there. I'm, I'm not interested in looking at the... But it depends on where I'm going. But there's some people who, they would ignore the GPS. No, they'll switch it off. No, I know how to get there. I know some shortcuts. But sometimes there may not be shortcuts. Sometimes there might be a roadblock. So in which case you need... You need guidance, and uh, that's what really counseling is. It's guidance, wise guidance. You've already discussed this a little bit. We, we touched on anxiety, but would you mind um, taking us through what you consider the roots 
of anxiety and what are some practical ways that we can work through that? That's a great question, Greg. Um, I counsel people that struggle with anxiety so much that I think it would be good for me to answer this question just to, you know, even, you know, because it's, it's such a prevalent issue. We have become the most anxious, fearful generation ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of contributing factors. But I'm going to go into the roots of anxiety. Um, anxiety is rooted in fear. And fear has three main elements. I'm such a list person. I like to say things like, this has got two things or three things. <laughs> or there's a list of five things I need to purchase in the grocery store. <laughs> I like lists. It just keeps, it keeps things in order. But there are really, in my opinion, there might be more, but there are um, three main elements that... Um, that, you know, allows fear to, to get a hold of a person. The first thing is insecurity. What is insecurity? In, in very basic terms, insecurity is something bad is going to happen to me or something bad is going to happen to my children or something bad is going to happen to my spouse or my marriage or my job. Something mm. bad is going to happen. Once you allow that first element, insecurity, that's the start of fear and it'll cause you to become anxious. But then there are two more factors. One is insecurity. The second element is helplessness. So the first element is something bad is going to happen to me or something's going to happen to somebody I love. The second element is there's nothing I can do about it. Helplessness Mm. is there's nothing I can do about it. The third element is isolation. Isolation is the third element of fear, and isolation really in general terms means there is no one to help me do anything about it. So something bad's going to happen to me. There's nothing I can do about it. And there's no one to help me. Mm. And this is the root of all fear, except for the fear of God. Fear of God is, is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Yes. But this is the, the fear of the unknown, the fear of death, the fear, just, just fear that grips a hold of us and robs us of that peace and joy. Now, these three elements can either operate individually or in various combinations, okay? So, what do we do? First of all, we need to start making a list. This is, this is once we understand um, something bad is going to happen to me, write down what you think is going to happen. Well, I, I fear I'm going to lose my job by the end of the month. Okay, well, why do you fear that? Well, they've been talking about making changes in my office and the boss has been dropping hints, you know. So write all of that all of that down. I'm a cognitive therapist. Cognitive therapist is you change the way you think so that you change the way you feel. Mm. It's thoughts that affect emotion, not the other way around. Wow. It's not what you feel that affects your thinking. A lot of people think that, no. It first starts here. That's why the battle is not in your heart. The mm. battle is in your mind. So when your battle is raging there, that affects your feelings. If you have a sad thought, then you're going to feel sad. If you have a happy thought, you will feel. That is why Paul in the, in the Bible says, it's one of my favorite, well, all scriptures, my favorite, but this one is really, really neat. It, it says, Paul said, I think myself happy. Mm. The exact words. I think myself happy. What he's saying is, and if you look at the, the, the preceding scripture and the following scriptures. He's talking about strongholds. He's talking about how the enemy can rob you of... of th- but then he says, look, I've made up my mind to rejoice. I think myself happy. He didn't say, I'm going to decide to feel happy because the heart is deceitful. Mm. You can't depend on the heart. The heart, the Bible says, the heart is the most deceitful place ever. And who can know it except God, right? The heart is deceitful and full of, full of deceit and... It is not a reliable source to build your walk with God. It is not a reliable source to build your mental health. Do not, it, it doesn't say heart health. It says mental health. Mm. So mental health cannot be built on uh, um, getting your, you know, on your heart. It just cannot, your heart your, or your feelings, I shouldn't say heart, your feelings and emotions are transient. It, it depends on your mood. It's changeable. It's so. It's not settled. It's not reliable. It is very changeable, and it's very deceitful. You could have a, a bad day, and if you build your mental health on how you're feeling, then you will never get to be mentally healthy. You have got to build your mental health on what you think, mm. what you 
think or what you will choose to refuse to think. Mm -hmm. So the person who's worried about losing his job because the boss has been dropping hints and stuff like that needs to find out how valuable... I mean, okay, give me evidence why you think you lose your... Well, boss has been talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it. Some people have actually been laid off. My best friend was laid off two weeks ago. So how do I know it's, I'm got, not going to be the next on the chopping block, all right? Now, prove to me that all that you have put there is proof that you will lose your job. Mm -hmm. Now, disprove it. Mm. How do I disprove it? Well, you've given me evidence as to why you believe you might lose your job. Now give me evidence as to why you believe you will probably keep your job. So, well, I'm a good worker. Um, I've been recently promoted. Um, I made some very good connections in sales, and my boss actually complimented me. So what happens is you are forcing your mind to come against the tide of negativity in your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain is flooding with negativity, and you're pushing it. And that is the book of Corinthians. Mm -hmm. Taking, pulling down strongholds. Yeah. Pulling down thoughts that exalts itself. So you, you are pushing back the negativity. The final thing that you do now is now that you've got a list of evidence as to why you might lose the job, then you've got evidence as to why you probably will keep the job. And then the last column is, based on... Uh, column one and column two, the column three would be, what do you think is the reasonable conclusion? Mm. The conclusion based on one and two. The conclusion is, well, I might lose my job because of what's happened to others. But because I'm an individual and because of what's been happening to me individually and how they appreciate me and how I've been working hard, I most probably won't. Mm -hmm. Now, Immediately when you do that cognitive restructuring exercise, it's called cognitive restructuring. You restructure the way you think. Jesus said, as a man thinketh, so is he. Mm -hmm. So um, once you restructure the way you think, okay, column one and then column two is opposes column, and then column three is a reasonable conclusion based on these two, y your anxiety levels can drop right to 50 to 70%. Wow. Wow. Now, it does it. I didn't say 100%. Sometimes it can. Sometimes your anxiety level will totally disappear. It depends on the issue, depends on what, you've, what you perceive things to be in your mind and what you've, uh, the arguments that you've presented against the negativity. Mm -hmm. But never be afraid of calling your negativity out. Mm. Don't ever be afraid of calling it out, of saying, okay, you're thinking that you know, this dinner party is going to be a total failure with your in-laws. Your in-laws are going to just hate you. <laughs> Call it out. Mm. Call out those negative thoughts. Expose them to the light of God's word. Expose them, not only the light of God's word, which is very important, but the light of truth. Yeah. Have you had dinner parties with them before? Yes. Was it horrible? Well, one was really bad, <laughs> but two was not bad. All right, well, could this be like the two and... Not like the one. Call it out. Mm -hmm. Expose lies. And that is cognitive restructuring. Mm. And the three elements of fear. Um, what are the three elements again? Something bad is going to happen. Expose that. What, what's going to happen? Give me proof that that is really going to happen tonight. Mm. Well, I'm going to, you know, I don't know. My, my flight is, I'm going to miss my flight. Well, have you missed your flight before? Do you have a record of missing flights in this particular? Not really. You expose it. Yeah. There's nothing I can do. If you do miss your flight, there's nothing you can do. Well, I'm going to have to rebook. Right. It's not the end of the world. You rebook. Go on another day. Yay. You know? And uh, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. There's no one to help me. Really? What do you mean? Well, I mean, there's no one to help me. I, I don't have... My parents are not interested in me and my siblings hate me. Don't have any friends. My boss is whatever. I don't have anyone to help me. But if you're a Christian, you do. Of course. You have one who will always help you. Always help. So all of that, number one, two, and three, you've busted it wide open now. Mm. You've blown it away. Cognitive restructuring is phenomenal. That to in, in, That's not the complete answer. But when you said, what are the practical ways yep. of... I give people my three-column cognitive restructuring form that I have. I, I email it to them. I say, mm -hmm. go home, I'm going to email it to you. 
open your email, do it as homework. In your next session, we're going to discuss your three columns. And many times, I mean, I'm talking about at least, I, I'm not saying it's a, it's, a, it's a static measurement, but 50 to 70% of anxiety can just drop right after you do that exercise. Now, can you just do that exercise one time, walk away, and your anxiety will never come back? No, you've got to do it every time your thoughts are attacked by negative thing. You've got to, what, what the Bible says, grab a hold of it. Mm-hmm. Get a hold of the thoughts. Capture. That's the word the Bible uses. Capture every thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. You've got to capture it. So if you allow random thoughts to control you, well, that's very sad. Mm. You shouldn't. But if you do, then that's sad. You shouldn't do it. You should stop. That's your problem. But don't allow random thoughts to control you. Put those thoughts on paper. Take a pen and a paper or your phone or whatever. Put those thoughts and then capture the thought. Capture it. What happens when you make a habit of capturing thoughts? The thoughts would become less powerful in the end. Mm. Because every time the thought comes, is it not really, you know, whatever, right? You're training your mind. You are training your mind. Now, I'm going to say something which might be a little, not not necessarily heavy, but this is just a little bit on neuroscience. Our brain, neurotransmitters communicate our our thoughts to the rest of our bodies. You know, our thought, if there's something... A ball is coming towards me in high speed. My brain, my eyes will look at the ball and it will give a signal to my brain to duck so Mm. that the ball doesn't hit me. Okay? So neurotransmitters are sending and receiving signals and messages to the rest of our body, from our body to the brain, from the brain to our feelings and vice versa and all of that. And and to our limbs. To run. Fire. Oh my goodness. My my brain will say, run. Flee. Or put it out. Fight. Mm. Fight is, where's the, where's the whatever? And shh, you know, you put it out. Or if it's too big to handle, you call, the, you, you call your emergency services, you run out of the house. You don't stand there and go, well, I'm not sure what to do. So, you know, <laughs> and so neurotransmitters are the brain's way of communicating with the rest of our body. Okay. <clears throat> it has been discovered. It has been discovered. And this is still being researched. And, and I would, if you want, if the viewer or the, the, the listener wants to Google neurobiology or neuroscience to understand how to uh, how to o- not overcome but how to manage fear whatever you can there are a lot of writings good scholarly writings please read scholarly writings and not just weird opinions by people that are not experts but I've done some research on this and I've found and many 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 counselors have found this that there are pathways that in our brain that processes um, thoughts and stuff like that. There are pathways that negative thoughts create. Constant, not one negative thought like, you know, oh my goodness, I look horrible. No, that's not going to make an impact. But constant, regular, severe, emotionally disruptive thinking, negative thoughts, can cause literally lacerations can cause lacerations, scratches, and can eventually form a pathway where you will be stuck in the negative thought and stuck in depression and anxiety without getting out of it, without being able to get out of it, unless you 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 take medication. That's as I said, not a cure, but a but a a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. At, at at the at best, it, medication is coping mechanisms. Similar to how negative thoughts can cause these pathways, like a trench. Mm-hmm. It's it, enough lacerations, it, fo- it causes a little trench in, your, in the synaptic pathways, in the, you know, in the transmitters, that your brain now, w- whenever there's a situation, your brain goes into automatic negative mode, mm-hmm. automatic, anxious, fearful thinking, rather than positive, good thinking. Similarly, if you, you can, the only way to replace it is to force your brain to call out that negative thought, to expose the negative thought, and to impose on the negative thought a positive outcome. 
when you keep getting into the habit, like you said just now, I, what word did you use? You get you're in, training it. You train your mind. Very good word. You train your mind. You get into a habit of positive thinking. That what happens is there would become another pathway, a positive mm. pathway. It will, that will that will that will be there parallel, and then that negative pathway will soon be healed because the brain is an organ. Mm-hmm. It can wow. self heal. If it's given a chance, it can self-heal. Yeah. But if you don't give it a chance, then you're continuing. You are actually hurting your own brain by these toxic emotions. Negative thinking uh, is toxic. It's toxic mm. to our health. It's toxic to our well-being, our emotional well-being, mental health, spiritual well-being. And that is why, that is why in the scripture it says, as a man thinketh, he actually becomes it. Wow. Jesus was talking about our brain. Yeah. None of us actually, not none of us, but many people don't think that he was talking about our brain. He was just, they saying, oh, that sounds like a nice, you know, spiritual phrase, you know, as a man thinketh. So I need to think right in mm. order to, to, to control my destiny. It's true. But he was thinking about the brain's capacity to be trained. Yeah. If you train it right, your destiny will follow mm. how you think. Because how we think is what we're going to choose to do. And what you choose to do will affect your destiny. Does that make sense? Is yeah, that, yeah. Isn't that That's fascinating? That's amazing, yeah. It's fascinating. I, I've always found that. Practical ways of, of doing, oh my goodness, there's, there's, there's so much uh, on practical ways on overcoming. Can I just read a list, if that's okay, and you can... Yeah, we can it. add it to the show notes on the, on the podcast. Okay. Um, let me just go over some practical, practical, practical list, okay? For example... Um, Try to be, well, it's very easy for me to say, try to be stress-free. In today's world, a lot, lot of people have stress and workplace stresses. You know, for example, time pressure, unfounded criticism, bullying, manipulation, all of this, if you avoid it, it's practical ways of, of overcoming, you know, anxiety you know don't be involved in boring tasks if you are if your job is boring you're working in a factory you're working somewhere where it's you're doing the same thing all the time and it's boring then introduce exciting uh different colorful events in your life so that these are things that can actually help with manage anxiety absolutely and depression Um, um consider your diet food stress and moods are interrelated okay salt intake preservatives Hormones from food intake can affect anxiety. You know, um, you don't have to spend a lot of money and go to a nutritionist mm-hmm. and get Google it. Google yeah. on what is healthy and stick to that. Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there on that. A lot of re- free resources. Mm. There's a lot of free resources on that. You know, uh, I know that this is not, this is definitely not for you, but for our listeners, viewers, if you're smoking, stop that. If you have an alcohol or drug problem, stop that. Because all of these are stimulants, and stimulants automatically increase anxiety. I'm just going over yeah, yeah. very quickly the the uh, stuff to overcome or cope or ma- not just cope but manage. Did you overcome did you anxiety. touch on sugars? Is that an yes. issue? Sugar is a uh, not only dangerous uh, because it can give you a temporary high, but when you crash, you really really crash. So mm-hmm. don't be a emotional eater just because you're feeling miserable. Don't go and stuff yourself with, you know, too huge chocolate chip cookies and another candy bar and 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 and, uh, and a rich um, I don't know whipped cream whatever I, 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 I don't have any of it so I'm not <laughs> even sure what I'm talking about but um, I've stopped all of that I mean if I have a little bit of candy I mean that thing the last time I actually had a sugary drink like a coca-cola or a sprite was about 10 years ago oh wow the reason why I've stopped all this in my life is because I don't I don't really need it um, your mind uh, that has a reward portion to your mind Mm-hmm. The reward portion will tell you, well, you've been so good, you, you need a reward. So it'll try to compel you to reward yourself. Mm. You can reward yourself in healthy ways. You don't have to reward yourself and kill yourself. So stop stimulants, stop bad food, stop sugar, cut back on salt. I know it sounds horrible right now. Oh, my goodness, that means no pizza and all of that. Well, you can, you can have excellent, nutritious, but delicious meals. Evaluate your use of medication. If you're on medication for anxiety or if you're on medication for diabetes, you're on medication or whatever, Go back to your doctor and re-evaluate it. Don't stop taking um, doctor-advised medication.
patient. This is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is go back to your physician and reevaluate because certain medications contain stimulants. Mm. And certain medication that you're taking for something else may contain stimulants that is triggering anxiety in something else. So go to your doctor and say, well, can I have something that doesn't have uh, a stimulant effect uh, that will that triggers my anxiety? You might be taking something for a heart condition or diabetes or some other condition but the ingredient in that tablet might be triggering anxiety. Uh, so reevaluate your use of medication and always check with your doctor whether there are other options like vitamins and natural stuff i'm huge into natural uh, ways of healing your body natural foods and vitamins rather than um, something that is you know chemical chemical uh, oriented um, ask a health practitioner about natural herbs and uh, coordinate, you know, how you can use it. Exercise. You don't have to be a member of Planet Fitness. Um, I actually am a member of, of, <laughs> of, 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 a, of a fitness center, which I have hardly used because I don't have the time. But you know what? You've, if you've got a living room or a private bedroom or a private space, you can do some exercises there. Exercise. This Why? Because exercise increases serotonin levels in your brain, and when it does... It helps mood and decreases stress immediately. So find out what foods decreases serotonin and stop eating that food. Find out foods that increase serotonin levels. Eat that food. And there are foods, superfoods out there, yep. uh, you know, and berries and nuts and all that that does that. And then relax, you know, you know choose your battles. Mm. You don't have to fight with everybody. You know, just fight with one or two. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, pay attention to negative self-talk. Don't, don't call yourself names. Mm. If you've made a mistake, don't say, oh, I'm so stupid. Just say, oh, I've made a mistake. Oh, you know, won't do that again. That's great parenting advice as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think so. Thank you, for, thank you for saying that. You know, uh, you tell your children, you know, uh, uh, don't, don't have negative self-talk to them. And they're watching you. Mm -hmm. And if you keep saying, oh, that, I, I shouldn't have done that. That was so stupid of me. They learn from you. Yeah. And so, you know, stop the negative self-talk. You know, learn to identify and express your feelings. If you're angry about something or about someone, if that person is safe to approach, go to that person and say, you know, I'm, I'm angry about what you did. And I don't, I'm not, I don't hate you, you know, but I'm angry that you did that and that really hurt me. But what, we don't do that. We want to we wanna keep, that doesn't keep the peace. That's just fake. But we want, we, we pretend that because we want to keep the peace, we sweep all of that under the carpet and we uh, we struggle with pent-up anger that we should have released with I mean, if your wife your husband or your child has irritated you talk to them don't pounce on them and attack them talk to them this has irritated me this has upset me this has hurt me we need to talk about it okay if you don't then you have pent-up anger pent-up sadness what does that do to trigger anxiety what are we doing now where I'm going through a list of stuff that triggers anxiety or or what you can do to avoid it. Learn to be assertive and speak up. People who are assertive actually struggle with less anxiety, about 30 to 40% less anxiety than people that do not speak up and are less assertive. Wow. People who are not assertive, they, they, they just want to, they, they keep pretending they want to keep the peace and they're like, oh, no, no, I'd rather avoid confrontation. No, wait a minute. Fleshly confrontation should be avoided. Fleshly confrontation is ugly. You, know, you call people names and you road rage and... You're slamming doors, or you're saying, "Oh, you know, you, you. that's fleshly confrontation." Jesus never did that. Mm. God in the Bible confronted in a biblical way. Biblical confrontation is, first of all, peaceable. It, it you know, you, you you seek peace. You seek love. You don't seek to put down and trash the person. You seek a repair. So, how is biblical confrontation? Bring it up in a respectful mm. and kind way. You know, this happened, and you're doing this, and it really affects me, and it and it makes me sad that you think that you need to do this to whatever. And, and I, I feel that I need to speak up. Immediately, you, allevi you don't alleviate, you, you uh, decrease the level of anxiety. Immediately. Assertiveness and speaking up does that. And know what you believe. You can be free of anxiety. Don't believe that you have to suffer with, with anxiety the rest of your life. Spiritually, remember God's promises. He's there for you. He, don't believe that there's no one there to help you. He's there. Don't believe that you cannot get help. He's there to help you. You know, uh, don't keep believing something bad's going to happen, something bad's going to happen. Oh, I'm going to go out and start the ignition in my car and something horrible's going to No, don't do that. Because you're a child of God, remember God's promises. His presence and the promise of a sound mind. He's promised you a sound mind. He's not promised you uh, a mentally ill mind. 
but a sound mind. Believe that. Be anxious about nothing, Philippians mm. says that in four, chapter 4. You know, pray. Meditate on God's word. Make a daily habit of meditating on God's word and pray. That in itself um, can help you manage and cope with um, anxiety and eventually overcome it. You know, don't give in to it. Deal with your losses. If you have lost a father, lost a mother, lost a marriage, lost a child, lost your job, lost money. If you've lost, then you're grieving. If you're grieving, you're going to be anxious. Deal with your grief. Don't sweep your grief under the carpets. Well, no, I'm, I'm not going to think about what I've lost. I'm just going to, uh, you know, bite down and huddle down and, 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 and be, you know, just continue with life. Don't do that. Reach out to a grief counselor. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a pastor. Talk about your grief. Talk about your loss. Deal with your loss. That will also diminish anxiety. These are the various... You know, and be thankful. Be thankful for everything you've got. Be thankful for your clothes, your food, your children, your good marriage, your spouse. You know, uh, be thankful for a sunny day. Be, be thankful that you can eat when so many people can't. And so, you know, um, thankfulness also helps to decrease anxiety. These are just some of the practical uh, tips on anxiety. I know I took a long time explaining it, but if, if we just do this, it's so simple and it's free. Mm. None of this will cost money. Not, nothing that I've said in this list will cost you a lot of money. It's free. And when we don't do it, then, then, then we're being really unwise and foolish. And so we, we, you know, we, can, we can overcome. We are overcomers. That's what God said. And we either believe it or, or, or it was, it's all been a lie. And it's not a lie. It's true. And, and don't forget to get help. If your anxiety is too much and you've tried all these practical things and you're still struggling with it, get help. Call a counselor, a Christian psychologist, a person who knows God, but also knows the psychological tools that he or she could give you. Call them. Reach out to them. It is a worthwhile investment. Mental health is about your wellness, your spiritual, emotional, physical, mental wellness. It's, it's, it, you don't have to be focused on illness, focused on how to stay well, this has been a fascinating conversation, and and I've been so grateful to have you do this. And and the whole audience, you know, we're grateful that you set your si your time aside after a long trip, after lots of ministry. We can kind of hear it a little bit in your voice. You're just up in the islands, got back uh, yesterday, uh, late last night, and you made yourself available just before flying out. That's how important this is to you, and so we're very grateful that that you have done that. And I would just like to give you uh, a final word, uh, whatever you want to talk about as we finish up here today. You know, we've talked today, and I want to thank you, Greg, for first of all, for having a fabulous podcast ministry. And I've been very privileged to get to know you as a person and also to take part in this podcast. What I would like to finish by saying is this. Um, the reason why we, we go through what we go through, you know, emotionally and mentally, that, that there, are, there are mental health issues, the reason why we struggle with depression, anxiety, and all kinds of things, and even anger or rage, is because we invest all of our energy, we focus all of our energy in embracing a lie. And this is the lie we have embraced. I've done this, I've done this, and I've had to rethink, and God had to bring me out of this so that I, I no longer embrace this lie. But the lie that we've embraced is that we have a very ungodly definition of success. We need to rethink our definition of success. So to the viewer, to the listener, my question to you is this. You can think about it in your own time. What is your definition of success? We have believed the lie that God is not enough. That is our definition of success is, um, you know, I, I need a bigger house, a better lifestyle. Uh, all of my children have to be saved for me to feel successful. Well, what if they're not? Are you less successful because your children have not become what you wanted them to be? That is between them and God. God, God loves them. Uh, are you not successful if you don't have your own home? Or if you don't have the kind of lifestyle or salary or looks or health that you think is the right look, the right health or the right whatever, the right kind of house, the right kind of car. Our definition of success has to, cannot be based on what you have or don't have. Your definition of success is, are you becoming more like Christ? And that is my word. That is the definition of success. That means if you're more forgiving today than you were last week, 
successful. You've become very successful in a week because you're more forgiving today than you were last month. If you're kinder today than you were last year, then you're becoming more Christ-like, you're successful. If you're more gentle the way you talk to people than you were yesterday, then you're successful because that's more Christ-like. If you're becoming Christ-like, you're taking baby steps to become more and more Christ-like, then you are more successful. Then you not more successful, you are successful because you're becoming Christ-like. It's not what you own. It's not what you have. It's not who you are or how you can speak or how charming or how educated you are or how much money you have. Are you becoming more like Jesus? That should be your definition of success. And if that is, then you will conquer anxiety, depression, rage and anger because you will not be on a mad pursuit to be successful the way um, the world pressures you to be. Instead, you will pursue being successful by becoming more like 